This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, we're ready for the final four now here on the Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. Jimmy Ott along with Paul Stone at Paul Stone Sports, Bruce Marshall of the Gold Sheet. And Paul, I'll start with you. We're down to four now. UConn, the overwhelming favorite, laying a dollar thirty-four at Bet Rivers to win it all. San Diego State, Miami plus four hundred, FAU plus six hundred, but we talked about it all season long. It's wide open. There's no real heavyweights unbeatables. There's no teams without flaws in this um, in this tournament, in this uh, sport of college basketball. But still, to see it blown up like this, hey, it, uh, it catches your attention. Oh, it does. I mean, you know, in, in San Diego State and Florida Atlantic, those two teams absolutely deserve to be here. They, they've won four games. Uh, so they've earned their spot in the Final Four. But San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, it sounds more like the third-place game in the Maui Invitational, you know, the day after Thanksgiving. But, uh, you know, those guys have played San Diego State, uh, just playing great defense, and Florida Atlantic, uh, you know, having a uh, difficult road to this point. So, uh, you know, in my mind, uh, some of the, the TV uh, folks – uh, might not like uh, the lack of uh, true blue bloods in the field, although UConn, from a basketball standpoint, uh, certainly on on the fringe of that group. But to me, you know, it just makes for a, a great, exciting tournament. You've got two uh, newcomers and, and totally unexpected entrants in San Diego State and, and Florida Atlantic. Uh, you've got the favorite in UConn. Then you've got a Miami team that, my gosh, they're, they're playing so, so well. I think their only loss the last 10 games was in the semifinals of the ACC tournament uh, to uh, Duke when their uh, their big man, uh, Norshad Omir, was uh, injured 66 seconds into the game. So they're playing at an extremely high level. So I'm excited about this Final Four. Uh, Bruce, and, you know, Paul brings up an interesting point as far as, you know, some of those, okay, this is the, the third-place game. The real national championship is, is in a semifinal, uh, you know, with the – with, with UConn in Miami, but we've seen that before. Uh, Houston Louisville was supposed to be the national championship in Albuquerque, and the NC State in Georgia was the appetizer. Didn't work out that way. I think it was Kentucky Georgetown, Villanova, Memphis uh, on the other side when they had, um, or was, you know, when they, um, or was that Kentucky uh, St. John? I mean, Georgetown St. John's uh, that year when Villanova, yes. Memphis were on the other side. Right. Kentucky Duke did uh, preside, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, when Butler VCU was the early when it was sometimes it works out but sometimes we've seen history that is not the case as far as saying this is such a lopsided uh, semifinal matchup 
Sure. And go back a little further. I mean, Houston, UCLA in 68. I mean, not too many people are paying attention to Ohio State and uh, North Carolina in the other game. And it just it's we've seen several of those throughout the years. What I find interesting about this is, I mean, we are one step away, guys, from an all Miami Metro final. I mean, can you believe that? Uh, okay, Boca Raton, that's Miami. That'd be the biggest thing to hit Miami Beach since Jackie Gleason moved to show there, okay? Uh, the, who would have thought that? I mean, at the start of the year, I'd have said, well, you'd have a better chance to maybe have USD and San Diego State feet meeting in the final than Florida Atlantic and, and Miami. I mean, that's mind-blowing to me that you might have two Miami area teams uh, in the final. But so much about this, this tournament, um, I thought actually yesterday um, – Miami's win was sort of a slap at the analytics crowd. Uh, I mean, they hardly took any threes in the game, and the analytics folks would say, this isn't supposed to happen. Well, yes, it can. It, it can still happen like that. And one other note, just this is, this is back it up a couple of weeks, but back to the, to the net. I don't want, I don't want to beat this anymore. Uh, the Big 12 was really good this year. But all those guys who were saying because they're in the Big 12, and there were a lot of them, well, they're in the Big 12, they're better. They're in the Big 12, they're better. The Big 12's net was strong because there were no weak teams in the league. That did not mean the top of the league was better than the Big East or better than the SEC. We saw that in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. So remember that about the future in the net. It's a sorting thing. It sort of categorizes things a little better, but it doesn't mean you're better in one league than the other. That was really proven this year, and all these guys, Lunardi and the rest, who were beating the Big 12 drum the whole year, were better than the Big 12. Where are they in the Final Four? They're not there. And oh, by the way, Houston's supposed to be there too. And uh, the next four months, they'll be a Big 12 team. They're not there either. Well, keep in mind also, when you're talking about strength of conference, your strength of conference is pretty much decided in November and December when you're non-conference. Once, once you start conference play, besides the Big 12 SEC Challenge, I mean, you're just playing against each other. So it's not going to affect – it's going to affect team RPI in the past, team NET, but not conference, uh, you know, RPI, NET. That's set, you know, for the whole yeah. season. And as we know, this sport is completely different in February and March yeah. than it is in November and December. And uh, uh, maybe a classic uh, team is like Purdue. You know, Purdue was yeah. so much better in November and December than they were in February and March. So this, it's the only way to do it. They have to do, you know, yeah. d- d- distinguish it some way or the other. But uh, th- that's another part of it that, because th- yeah. the roster makeup are usually so different. And, man, that's the great thing about the sport is that, hey, man, Maui, San Diego State was getting run out the gym by a team that was one and done in this tournament in Arizona. So yeah. they were so yeah. much better at that time. That's the other thing with the portal, too. I mean, you're, you're seeing a lot of teams in November or December that are adjusting. I mean, you're bringing, bringing new players in, and, and these aren't players that have been in the program before that have maybe been practicing with the guys. So it takes a little while to get it done. But the net, again, it, it rates sort of a conference-by-conference. Conference. I mean, it, the net ranks it that way. Your bottom teams pull you down. So then there are a few teams at the bottom of the Big 12, you know, Butler, Georgetown, uh, DePaul pulled the league down this year but no at the top of the league was just as good and and that's what i'm trying to say is it it's not a strength of team versus team it's a sort of a conference matchup but it doesn't mean these teams are better than the others that does not that's not reality well with 360 teams paul are trying to play you know limited schedule and they don't really play each other a whole lot it's it's difficult they love some sort of objective tool though that will cut down on them, they, they're not watching every game all the time and, and breaking it down. Paul, let me ask you, um, UConn, 
a prohibitive favorite because they have been the dominant team where there's so many of these teams left. There's so many games have gone 50-50. They haven't had any. They were down in their very first game against Rick Pitino's Iona Gales, but Storm back to win that one easily by double digits, not only winning but covering as well. They're the least challenged in this one. They're the most dominant in, 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 a, in a tournament that's full of uh, games that come down to you know come down to the wire. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a team that's been – they were the best team uh, in all of college basketball the first part of the year. Uh, and now at the end of the year, when it really matters, I, I think it's also uh, very clear they're, they're the best team now as well. I mean, they got out to the 14-0 and start, uh, 12 of those wins by 14 or more points in the early going. One of those victories, uh, a 15-point victory over Alabama the day after Thanksgiving in Portland – so they were rolling. Uh, then they get into that uh, rugged Big East uh, conference and start out five and six. Uh, as Bruce pointed out, you know, a, a top-heavy, uh, very strong at the top of the league uh, type of conference, start out five and six. They've clearly regained their footing. You indicated uh, correctly uh, that they obviously have not been challenged in the NCAA tournament. Uh, four victories by at least 15 points, each of them winning by an average of 22-and-a-half points a game. And, I mean, they have not had just an easy slam dunk, uh, gimme type of slate uh, of opponents either. I mean, their opposition, Iona, uh, their opening round game. I mean, Iona beat uh, – you know, and they're not at the level of UConn. I'm not saying that about Iona, but they beat St. Louis and Vermont by more than 20 points. So they, they weren't chopped liver. And then they beat St. Mary's. Uh, St. Mary's obviously hurt by the injury – uh, late in the first half, but take care of them. And then this past weekend, just make easy work uh, of uh, Arkansas um, to, to get to the uh, game on uh, on Saturday and then uh, take care of Gonzaga uh, in uh, easy fashion, leading that game by 33 points. So, you know, they just seem to be a team on the mi- on a mission. Uh, they're, they're playing better than anybody. I'm not really concerned that they haven't been tested uh because I think they're the best team at this point. The um, Interesting, because I'll tell you how comfortable it's been for UConn to this point, minus that first half against Iona. Uh, the Sweet 16 game in T-Mobile, the first ever uh, hosted by uh, Las Vegas. You know, the NCAA tournament games, well – Midway through the or early in the second half, they they put the big screens, the major screens, on the Kansas State Michigan State game. That's how they. It's customer service uh, for the uh, the fans at T-Mobile uh, for the Sweet 16 round, as that game was way more interesting uh, than the UConn Arkansas game. Uh, and, and Bruce, that's a that's a heavy tax. But that's man, when's the last time we've seen a, a team come in with a minus 134 against the field in the uh, in the Final Four? Yeah, I mean, they look they look uh, like uh, uh, Villanova did back in 2018, really. That, that's sort of to this point. Uh, Villanova's closest game, that uh, dance, I think, was 12 against West Virginia. They got challenged, but they put West Virginia away. But this looks a lot like uh, Villanova. Um, but I maintain uh, that uh, I would – you know what? I, I know they're blowing everybody away. I'm more impressed by what Miami's done. I want you to win some games close. I mean, you're not just going to go, unless you think you're just going to roll through everybody. I would, I much prefer, see, Bill Walton would get mad at me if I told him this. 
But UCLA's first two years when he won, 72-73, they, they rarely, rarely were challenged. They got challenged a few times in his senior year, and they didn't know how to react. One game against Dayton in the Sweet 16, they did. Uh, no, the, the game's up in Oregon, the game at Notre Dame, the game against NC State. They just panicked. Uh, I'm not saying UConn's going to do that, but uh, this team's lost eight times this year. I don't want to hear they're unbeatable. They are not unbeatable. They lost eight times, and I know that all came in the Big East. And I know they have not only won every game outside of the Big East, they've only got one point spread L, and that was a game they won by 20 in a game they were a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. But I like the fact the team has been in the ringer here. This is Al McGuire's old thing. You know, he said, you got to have one of the one or two of these games in the dance, you know, come through the fire like that. By me, that is much better preparation for the Final Four. Go ahead and blow all these teams out. Give me the team that has been in the fire and has had to come back and pull something more, pull it out like Miami. They've shown me more than UConn in this tournament. Well, nobody had a more impressive uh, weekend as far as caliber of competition, knocking out a one and a two seed and some damn good ones as well. You know, Houston, you know, so so good uh, all season long, so good for the last three seasons. You know, Calvin Sampson and the Cougars winning so many games. And also Texas, you know, say what you want about that Big 12, but they they were red hot, man, coming in and just, you know, they won the conference tournament. They got the number two seed. They've been impressive and had the 13-point lead. So a couple of come-from-behind wins in the opener against, opening round against Drake and here against Texas where they looked like they were finished to the point where at one point in game to win it all, Texas was just plus 225 in the game yesterday that they were winning uh, against um, against Miami. Paul, uh, UConn is minus 134 at Bet Rivers to win it all. San Diego State and Miami are both plus 400. Florida Atlantic is plus 600. Uh, any any opinion on those uh, on those odds to win it all? You know, not really. I mean, I, again, I think UConn is, is going to win the tournament, but I can't lay 34 cents uh, as much parity as there is. And, uh, you know, like uh, Bruce indicated, I mean, you know, UConn's not invincible. There are no uh, teams that are unbeatable in college basketball this season or the past several seasons for that matter. So I'm not interested in laying 34 cents when the elite eight was decided. Uh, I took uh, UConn plus 326, so I'm going to, hold that ticket. I didn't get in on the ground floor, but, uh, you know, better late than never. But at the current numbers, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be involved. All right, let's get to the games in the first game uh, on, uh, on Saturday. Will be uh, San Diego State and Florida Atlantic. Uh, both, uh, both Paul and Bruce uh, had some eventful, um, you know, Sweet 16, uh, uh, you know, predictions. Paul started out 4-0 on Thursday's games. Bruce called for the uh, the Miami win over Houston, as you remember last weekend, cash that plus 255 uh, money line at Bet Rivers. San Diego State, Paul, 2 and 131 and a half over the Owls of Florida Atlantic. You would have to think San Diego State bruising, man, really physical team, um, and I think they benefited uh, from the way that the game was officiated uh, on Sunday. And uh, so that's the way it go. Vlad Golden, though, for Florida Atlantic, he's going to have a load. He's going to have his hands co- um, full for him. He had 13 rebounds. Played big against Kansas State uh, in the regional final. He'll uh, have to uh, 
you know, he'll have to hold his own against a really good rebounding team. Get the Aztecs two in one thirty one and a half, Paul. Yeah, I made this game uh, pick in one thirty two. Um, you know, the Owls, first of all, looking at Florida Atlantic, they've won 34 games uh, this year. They've won 11 straight uh, since losing at Middle Tennessee back on February 16th. You look at four of their last five victories, uh, starting with the decisive 22-point win over UAB uh, there in Frisco uh, three weeks ago in the Conference USA uh, title game. Four of their last five victories have been as the betting underdog. Uh, you know, again, three weeks ago, getting two points from UAB. I mean, that's incredible. UAB was the favorite in that game over a healthy uh, FAU team, but FAU uh, took care of them by 22. So they've, they've been playing as an underdog. They've been obviously winning and covering as an underdog. And using Jeff Sagren's ratings, they're 6-1 and one straight up versus top 50 teams. Uh, and 4-0 and straight up versus top 25 teams. Obviously, just about all that work being done uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they're playing with great confidence. They've played a variety of style of teams. You know, first of all, they beat a, a defensive-minded te- team like Tennessee that likes to bully you and, and muddy it up, uh, much like San Diego State. Uh, and then they've also defeated, you know, faster-paced teams, teams like Memphis and uh, even Kansas State. So they can outscore teams as well. Uh, I'm really impressed with the Aztecs, though. Um, you know, maybe somewhat concerned by their potential for for offensive lapses. But, man, they are – if they let them play, as you indicated, uh, as they did uh, yesterday against Creighton, uh, they, they are a, a tough out. And, uh, you know, Golden, in my mind, talking about the, the FAU uh, victory to, to get here um, over Kansas State, I mean, he was the difference. I mean, that guy is a player. He did not back down. Uh, he, he's not, uh, you know, he's not a guy that can be easily pushed around. And uh, as you also indicated, with, with the Aztecs' physical uh, presence down low in the block, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out because they'll definitely uh, give Golden some problems. Have a light, slight lean to FAU plus the two and will likely play that. But I'm going to look more at the under, and uh, I like the under 131.5. Been well chronicled, but uh, San Diego State's last 12 games have all gone under. So if you've played uh, the last 12 Aztec games under, uh, which I'm sure nobody has, but if you have – You've done quite well. And uh, their defense during the tournament, from the field, their four opponents only hitting 34% from the field, all shots, three-pointers, opposition only hitting 17%, 16 of 94. So great defense. So a slight lean to uh, Florida Atlantic plus the points. Uh, But my favorite play in that game, the under 131.5. And Bruce, you, you look at them and you say, okay, Florida Atlantic uh, never been to the tournament, never won a game before, and so they're playing this four-guard attack with Golden in the middle. You know, they're deficient on the boards. Not the case. Tennessee's one of the best rebounding teams in the country. They out-rebounded them 38-33. to And then against Kansas State, they out-rebounded them by 25 rebounds, 41-16. to And that's unusual. So it's not just Golden. It's a, a team effort. But that that is the most uh, surprising uh, part of the box score when you look at it with this upstart Florida Atlantic program. It, it is. And, by the way, talk about surprising. 
Conference USA teams this postseason, including the CBI and the NIT, 15-1. and So not only Florida Atlantic getting here to the Final Four, you've got UAB and North Texas in the Final Four down the street from me in Las Vegas this week in the NIT. And Charlotte just won the CBI last week. And uh, the only loss by a CUSA team was Rice, lost by two to Southern Utah after it won its first game in the CBI. So look out, see, look out for Conference USA. By the way, all five of those plus UTSA are moving into the American next year. So uh, there's going to be a big conference uh, shuffle next year. So, yeah, uh, Florida Atlantic, uh, listen, the, these teams are all winning now. You know, all, they've all got wins in here. So And the, the spread is close to pick them. So we're going to look, look, you know, fundamentally, what, what is it they're doing and what is it, what's going to work and what isn't going to work here? Jay Wright explained this pretty well uh, the other night with Florida Atlantic. What is it that they're doing? Their offense, and they don't go at a slower pace, um, but it's constant movement. It's, it's, it's high pick and roll with Golden. It's ball screens, one after another after another. And you continue to make the defense switch. And at some point, you've got most of the defenders off of their original assignment, and they're out of position when the rebounds come. That's happened time and time and time again. They've got 58 offensive rebounds in the dance thus far because they've got the defenders spread out around the floor because the way this offense works. And this is a real, real feather in the cap for Dusty May. So how do you deal with that? Uh, one, Well, you can play a zone. But a lot of teams don't really like to play a zone. They don't do it that well. And, and if you don't do it well, it doesn't work that good. Or, or you fight over the top of the screens and you fight through the screens. No team in the country is better at that than San Diego State. So I think there's a chance they might jam the gearbox here on, on Florida Atlantic because of the way they, they play defense. So I don't put it past Florida Atlantic to find somewhere. These guys, I mean, Davis, then we know how Golden's doing. Davis is a great player. Uh, they've, they've been figuring out how to do it. Another thing about San Diego State, and I and I heard some of these guys, uh, talk, especially Alabama, Seth Davis, you know, the Alabama game, uh, saying, well, look, Alabama, they've got some open three-pointers here. They're just missing the open threes. W- when you play a defense like this, one, first of all, if, if you're not making threes, you back off a little bit. You know, go ahead, dare you. We, we dare you to take the three. You're not making them. So that's one thing. But two, against these guys, I mean, you start squeezing the trigger really quick. when you, The first little opening, you're up and you're shooting. Um, not only in the tournament, you go back to the Utah State game in the Mountain West final, uh, I, teams are 18 of 122, 18 for 122, I think, against uh, San Diego State shooting threes the last five games. Utah State, Charleston, Furman, Alabama, and then Creighton, these are five of the best shooting teams in the country. They can't get off against these guys. So this defense is special. And I think it probably – they're finding enough offense. They've got these five guards, and, and one or two of them, it happened to be Trammell played a good uh, regional uh, this past weekend, and uh, Butler also played very well against a Creighton. Now, Bradley and Parrish did not, but usually Dutcher's finding one or two of these guys who are going to shoot. The bigs are better than advertised. So I lean a little to the Aztecs, but Paul's call on the under is is really the one I would focus on here. I, that's how I'm looking at it here. I think this game's probably played in the low 60s, and it would only get over if it got to overtime, which is possible. But I think under is the first call here. 
I mean, all, all, all shots are not created equally. For somebody just to say, well, they, you know, Creighton was off. Uh, like they had open no. looks from three is not watching a no. game. I'm sorry. To the point, the Sweet no. 16 game, Brandon Miller had a problem getting his shot off. To me, the best player in college basketball, I mean, had problems getting his shot off. All of those shots were contested. Now, listen, from an in-game perspective, uh, I had Creighton pre-flop, okay? And as they're, as they're, as the game is going, I'm like, early in the second half, I'm like, uh-uh, I got to get off of some of this. You know, I took plus five and a half. I took plus four and a half at different times uh, in the second half because that whistle was going the Aztecs' way. And to the point where when Creighton would try and retaliate, they would try and get physical. Well, it's a foul because they're extending their arm and they're trying to create. They're just not as as, as physical as uh, San Diego State was. But when I saw Alabama star player, the best player in the country, had had difficulties getting clean looks. I mean, that's all I need to see because uh, you know he's say what you want about all the uh, off the field stuff, off the court stuff. But man, he's he's a phenomenal player, and it was tough. One thing to keep in mind, and Paul, let me ask: What does this say about Florida Atlantic? All four of their tournament wins, they have trailed in the second half. Yeah, I mean, it shows they're a resilient team, a, a team that uh, – Clutch, huh? You know, you can't, you can't count them out. I mean, they've got depth. And San Diego State's got depth, too. These are two teams that play, you know, have nine players that average at least 16 minutes or more. Doesn't maybe matter as much in the tournament since you have so much stoppage of play with the, uh, with the breaks. But uh, certainly if you get in foul trouble, it could come into play. But they're just a, a resilient team. I mean, much like uh, – Miami yesterday, you know, they shoot so well in the first yeah. half. They're down by eight, then they're down by thirteen, uh, and they just keep playing. And they they uh, don't uh, don't give up the fight, don't give up the battle, and just wait for for something to happen and break their way. So, uh, you know, I, it's going to be a uh, you know both these games are just so intriguing, and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, as Bruce uh, you know alluded to and and got into there. How FAU, uh, their offense, how they can, what type of shots they can get, you know, how quality of shots are they, and what percentage they can convert against an Aztec team that is clearly one of the best in the country. Yeah, and and Bruce, the same thing for San Diego State. They fell behind nine to Alabama, and boom, went on a twelve nothing run. Uh, when Alabama finally uh, looked like they were going to run off and uh, create some distance. And, heck, they trailed, if it was 40 minutes in a Creighton game, they must have trailed, I don't know, 36 minutes? It seemed like it, uh, as uh, Creighton had a, a light lead most of the time. So, you know, both of those teams have kind of, <laughs> or not out of it, or clutch, definitely Miami. You throw them in there. We haven't seen as much sweat, uh, you know, toward UConn. They've just been the dominant team, but... No, there's some winning characteristics in that uh, for same for these teams as well, Bruce. Oh, absolutely, and it's you know you 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 learn how uh, to win these close games. Listen, San Diego State that first game with Charleston was right down right down to the wire too. So I again I don't think it's bad having come through the fire and and to pull some of these games out. Back to my UCLA example, uh, there were no use on all that title run that UCLA had. Those teams in the middle with Sidney Wicks, Curtis Rowe, Steve Patterson, Bibby, and the rest, uh, I, there were never teams that pulled games out of the fire like that one. Every time, especially the second one, the 71 team, one after another, after another, after another. In the Pac-8 Pac back then, they kept winning. In the tournament, they had a game against Long Beach that was really tight. They had to come back on Long Beach and win. 
I, when you're used to doing that, I mean, these games get tight. The poise. This is the this is the veteran component here. Older teams and and these teams are all that way in the tournament. They've been around, so the veteran component, the po the poise, composure, and the coaching really matters. And you're seeing that here. Now, by the way, Dusty May is really impressing me. Uh, and he's he is about as anti Bob Knight in his demeanor too. I know he worked for him as a student manager. He's like the most proper, polite guy when you talk to him in the interviews. But man, you know he's got these guys very poised, and the depth that Paul talked about that certainly helps as well. All right, Paul, let's get to the uh, UConn uh, Miami, and some people are pointing this as the UConn Invitational, uh, five and a half, pretty uh, sizable line for a Final Four matchup. Five and a half, 149 and a half at Bet Rivers. Keep in mind, though, every step of the way. First, every step of the way, seeds can be flawed. We get that. We've talked about that before. You see the point spreads. But Miami's first game, they played a 12, UConn a 13. Miami's second round game, they played a four, UConn played an eight. The third, uh, the, the semifinals of Miami played a two seed, UConn a five, and then also a one seed and a three. Every step along the way, I got those backwards. So they played Miami played the one in a Sweet 16, and then the two in a regional final. But every step along the way, they've played a tougher team. I wonder how much that makes it. UConn, no, no denying it, they have been dominant. Man, really have been impressive after the first half of the Iona game, where they were down against Rick Pitino's crew. Paul, UConn's five and a half, one forty-nine and a half. Well, I'm going to start talking about Miami, and, and kudos to Bruce. I mean, he nailed the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, said they were not only going to cover against Houston, but they would win the game, which is exactly what they did. And, and to get here uh, yesterday on Sunday, March 26th, I mean, you know, this is a Miami team. They shoot I – I believe they shot 64% in the first half, and they're trailing by eight points. And, and then the Longhorns stretch that lead to 13 points with uh, – 13 minutes to go, and uh, Miami, again, just keeps playing, uh, come back and, and win that game. They shoot 59% from the field, does Miami, uh, against Texas in that victory. And this Texas defense, obviously one of the best in the country. They rank 13th uh, by Ken Palm in adjusted defensive efficiency. The game before, they scored 89 points against Houston, one of the best defensive teams in the country. So you look at Miami's last three games against Indiana, Houston, and Texas, and they've scored 85 or more points in all three. So uh, as hot as uh, UConn is, Miami's uh, clicking on all cylinders as well. Uh, they get the perfect game yesterday from Jordan Miller. Uh, he's 7 of 7 from the field, all two-pointers, and 13 of 13 from the line uh, for 27 points. Uh, so you got to like uh, where Miami is right now. You know, they're a 78% free throw shooting team on the season, which is important uh, during tournament time. And yesterday they were even better than that. They hit 28 of 32 free throws against the Longhorns, 88%. So, uh, man, they are, they are playing well. But this UConn team, I mean, to me, they're the most dominant team. They're the most complete team. They have no clear weaknesses uh, they're shooting the three-pointer uh, at a, a very good rate during the tournament, hitting 44% of their three-point attempts. Uh, they're a 76% free-throw shooting team. I think when you're looking at a line where a team's laying, you know, five-and-a-half points, uh, they better be a good free-throw shooting team uh, when you're handicapping the game because that could come into play when the, the line range is in that area. 
I think they're a team on the mission. And as much as I am impressed with this this Miami team uh, and all that they've accomplished, and especially the way that they've played these last ten games, uh, I just like UConn here. I think UConn's going to win this game by uh, by more than five and a half points. So my play here is UConn minus the five and a half. All right, UConn for Paul, minus five and a half, 149 and a half over Miami. Talking about Miami, though, uh, in that Houston game, Houston had given up uh, 70 points four times this year. One of those was 75 in Memphis after they kind of exhaled uh, with uh, Sasser getting hurt and, you know, the day after that Cincinnati uh, semifinal. Central Florida scored 71, South Florida 77, Bama 71, four times out of 36 they scored, uh, gave up 70 points. Miami with 89. My goodness. Uh, in that Friday night uh, Sweet 16 matchup. Well done, Bruce, calling uh, that uh, that uh, hit final. And also the Miami-Texas game. They got it close enough to where all of a sudden when you're ahead, man, that stroke is a lot more fluid. It's easier. But then when you get to create a little bit of pressure, Boy, you saw that Texas shooting really taper off coming down the stretch. Bruce, five and a half, 149 and a half. Yeah, I'll say that Miami is not a great defensive team. Uh, so that that could end up, I mean, their adjusted defensive numbers are low. And, and usually a team doesn't win a championship with the numbers like that. But listen, when they, when they played Houston, uh, they made the Cougars look like Cal State Northridge. They really did. You would have never known that was the best defensive team in the country. They were absolutely dissected in that game. And I, I, I hate to challenge Jay Wright on anything, but when he came out yesterday at halftime and said, Texas has taken away Miami's threes. No, they weren't. Miami, right at the start, you saw what Coach L had them do. Take the ball to the rack. That he knew Disu wasn't down there low to help out on defense. He thought his guards could beat Texas's guards to the hoop. And constantly, one after another after another, eventually it wore them down. That's why that shooting percentage was so high. They were taking close shots most of the game. Again, uh, that's Coach L again. I, maybe UConn is just going to go and blow everybody out in this tournament. I don't think it can ha- it's going to happen here. These guards are too good. Uh, you've got, they score from everywhere. Um, and in this, in the, in the regional last weekend, I know uh, UConn, UConn, two blowout wins. It can't be much more impressive than that. But um, Arkansas just never got started in that game. Little flighty. And Gonzaga, I'm sorry. Uh, when, I mean, Timmy, Timmy's foul trouble really turned that game completely on its ear. But Gonzaga's guys cowered like that. You could see that. I mean, Watson, I had a text with some people. I said, it's like UConn's playing six on four with, with Watson on the floor. They were scared and they were timid. Uh, shame on Gonzaga, really. Um, you're not going to see Miami do that. Uh, these guards are too good. And, oh, by the way, I like having Larinaga on my side. I mean, any guy, when you think back to George Mason back in 06, remember when they walked in the old, what they call the Verizon Center back in those days, Cap 1 now, to play UConn in the, in the Elite Eight. He walks into the arena with his team whistling and humming the Mission Impossible theme. Uh, how can you not be relaxed and playing for a guy like that? I mean, I'll take him. Hurley's done a good job. And by the way, he looks a lot like Bobby when he takes his glasses off, too, by the way. Uh, but I'll take Larinaga any day against any of these coaches in the Final Four because of his ability to scheme like that. We saw him do what he did against Texas. That was brilliant stuff. And this team is is humming and, and clicking like a finely tuned Swiss watch right now. There's so many scoring options. 
I think Miami wins this game. Uh, so, yeah, I take Miami again. I'd also play this one over because you talked about some of those numbers, and Paul talked about them too, about how both these teams are scoring points like that. One high 140s like that, I don't think it's high enough. So I think over in Miami for me, and I think Miami wins this thing outright. 41 of the 49 field goal attempts for Miami were from two-point range. So this was an uh, an older approach, uh, no doubt about it. We don't see the, that much as it's you know, sort of three-pointers or attempts at the rim uh, for a lot of teams uh, you know, in modern-day uh, college basketball. Uh, Paul, i got to ask you before we go, though, Masters? Okay, they just they just went out your, your backyard there in Austin with the match play with Sam Burns winning. But, uh, I mean, Scheffler's still an outstanding run. He missed, what, a four or five foot, uh, uh, footer to, uh, to, to uh, win the match but could not uh, knock it down. You looked at the Masters odds yet? You know, I, I take one tournament at a time. I've, I've, I've started a little <laughs> bit. I've got a Masters draft coming up the Tuesday before the, uh, the Masters, so uh, here in another week. But uh, I'm concentrating on that Valero Texas Open uh, at TPC San Antonio this week. So uh, one of these days, I, I, this will be my, my tidbit since I really hadn't done a deep dive into the Masters yet. Uh, shame on me. But Pearson Cootie, uh, the University of Texas – a player who's had a tremendous success already on the Corn Ferry Tour, had a top 10 finish uh, on the PGA Tour a few weeks ago. Uh, he's got uh, the opportunity to play a tour event again this week, again, the Valero Texas Open. And keep your eye on Pearson Cootie, the grandson of uh, former Masters champion Charles Cootie. At some point, he's going to win on the PGA Tour, and he's going to be a force on that tour. All right, Scotty Scheffler at Bet Rivers is still the favorite uh, for the Masters, plus 650. Uh, Roy McElroy, who also lost, he and Scheffler lost in the semifinals in Austin yesterday. Uh, it's uh, plus $7. John Rahm, plus 750. Then it dips down a little bit to Jordan Spieth at 16 to 1. Cantley and Cameron Smith. We'll see Cameron Smith. Uh, first time since he's joined to live at uh, 20 to 1. And we go on down. So you can get those. Of course, those Masters odds are all the major odds are available year-round at Bet Rivers on the site. Bruce, any final thoughts before we let you go? Uh, I'm glad that uh, Paul Stone mentioned Pearson Cootie. Uh, It was 1971 when his grandpa won. It was also on Easter Sunday in 1971. So it's on Easter Sunday in two weeks. So keep an eye on Pearson Cootie. One other note. We have about two weeks left in the NHL regular season. And then that's it. We can't bet against the Chicago Blackhawks anymore. Go against the Blackhawks. Uh, Even if you do it on the puck line, don't worry about it. Go against them. They've packed it in. Head first into the draft lottery for uh, Connor Bedard. Uh, He's sort of the Wimbiana coming up in the NHL draft. Go against the Blackhawks while you can. There you go. So listen, this will be this will conclude our college basketball. Uh, we did uh, finish with a small profit uh, with Bruce, Paul, myself, and uh, Greg Waddell from the field of sixty-eight. All of our uh, all of our picks uh, combined. So that uh, a modest profit, but still a profit uh, in the least. And uh, want to thank uh, uh, both of you guys for providing. You know, just not just the final picks, but uh, you know, some people want angles, information, and both of you guys do a fantastic job of that. So Bruce and Paul, thank you very much. It's been an honor to host with you guys during this college basketball season. It's been a wild one. 
There's no doubt about that. We haven't seen uh, anything like this, uh, not to be hyperbolic. I mean, it's just been that way. So are we going to see another one uh, this weekend in Houston with UConn, the heavy favorite, going down? We'll have to see. For Bruce Marshall, the gold sheet, Paul Stone at Paul Stone Sports. I'm Jimmy Yacht for the Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.